You're listening to the Co-Creator Network. When you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Good afternoon. Welcome to Why Shamanism Now, a practical path to authenticity with your host, Christina Pratt. Director of the Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing. She's talking about how shamanic skills can bring us to physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being, especially when nothing else can. Now, here's your host, Christina Pratt. Welcome, everyone, to Why Shamanism Now. This is your host, Christina Pratt, and I'd like to begin by calling in the spirits. So I call out to your ancestors, and I call out to my ancestors, I call out to all of those who bring that which is good and true and beautiful into our lives, those who carry the legacy from having lived well and died well and cultivated a life of heart and spirit. And I call out to these ancestors to be with us here today to gather round us, to hold us in a good container that we might do what we are asked to do here today by the descendants who are calling. I call out to these ancestors who understand the art of healing. I call out to these ancestors that understand the practice of healing. And I call out to those ancestors in particular who understand what it means to heal into death and to know that we are capable of changing anything as long as we are still breathing. And so I give thanks to these ancestors for joining us here today. It is on their shoulders that we stand and we thank them for life. And with these ancestors gathered round, let us reach down through our bodies, through our feet, and into the earth, and all the way to the very center of the earth, the very heart of the being of this planet. We reach into the center of the earth, and we give thanks for the wonder of her dreaming that brought all life as we know it to this world. We give thanks to her for this day, thanks to her for the miracle of life and the awe and the wonder in the simple fact that we share today in that miracle. We are part of that miracle. And may we live this day in a way that honors that miracle. So we give thanks to the earth. We give thanks for the beauty of this home, for the challenge of being here, and for the fact that all that we need to meet that challenge is also present. We give thanks to the earth for home, for place, for hearth, for belonging. We give thanks to the earth for connection and for the interconnectedness of all things. We give thanks to the wisdom and the beauty of the ecosystems and all there is around us that can teach us how to be here in form in a good way. So we give thanks to the earth and call that energy up into our bodies to bring us restoration, rejuvenation, to replenish us and help to inform every cell of the body what it already knows, which is how to live here, how to be here in physical form whatever that actually means in the true energetic reality of life. So with the earth present and drawing the earth up into us, we draw that energy all the way up from our bellies to our hearts to our minds and out to the top of our head and all the way up to the sky, out through the atmosphere and into the cosmos. And we reach all the way up to the highest power of the universe, reach up to the very essence of the sky energy, the true yang energy. By whatever name you call this energy, we call this energy in. We call it down through the sky realms and into our circle, into ourselves, into these proceedings here today. And with these energies, we call in blessing. 
We call in the generosity and benevolence of this universe. We call in all the wisdom of the universe. And we call in protection, that protection which will allow us to focus on the task at hand today, not spend the whole day with our energy frittered away trying to maintain that which should be maintained by spirit, if we can simply forge that relationship. And so with our intention, we call this energy in and forge that relationship with the energy of the sky to bring in protection and to hold us well here today. And we draw that sky energy down. And allow it to mix within us with the energy of the earth, opening the space of our body, and we call in the energy of the heart. We call out to the heart and ask it to join us here today and to be that magic crucible that only the heart is. We call out to the heart to draw up the passions of our belly, the passions of our lower chakras, the strong feelings, the deep knowings, the great intuition of why we are here, and to draw that energy up into the heart. And we ask the heart to call down the clarity, the precision, the thinking, the awareness, the inspiration, the creativity of the mind down into the heart. And let these two energies, the fire and ice of these two energies, dance together so that a third energy is born, and that is the knowing of our soul's purpose. And may the heart give us the courage to live that in this day. So with these energies called in, the ancestors gathered round the earth and the sky joining within us and the heart uniting it all. We call out to these spirits and we give them thanks. We give thanks to all of you who make this show possible. And we ask that this show go forward in a way that is good for all living things. The show wouldn't be possible or wouldn't even have a purpose without those of you who listen. And I give thanks to all of the listeners who have donated to the show to help keep the show alive. I give thanks in particular to Langston and John and Linda and Kyle, who are new donors. Thanks to all of you. If the show is meaningful to you in any way, if it moves you in the heart, even if it moves you to irritation and agitation, that is absolutely fine. Because the essence of shamanism is to allow yourself to be moved by the, in the heart into action to let your heart to be open and clear and full and strong and able to respond to your day this is the essence of a life lived in a shamanic way so i ask you to allow yourself to be moved uh shamanically into action by the heart and to help the show to grow in some way if you would like to donate, you are welcome to go to the whyshamanismnow.com site. All of the archives are there as well. You can click on the support button and donate any amount, large or small. I am deeply grateful for all of it as it all goes to directly to keeping the show on the air. And I give thanks to you who have done other things, other acts of kindness, um, other acts uh, to link your um, your site to the show site to share shows with friends to offer them to your clients and I want to give special thanks to Bill at Shaman's Well um, for his ongoing and devoted support of the show and the teachings so I want to give thanks to you all um, we are doing this together and I am deeply grateful for your help so today the show is live. It's just me. We don't have any guests, but you are welcome to um, call in. The number is 512-772-1938, or you can click on the Skype button from the co-creatornetwork.com site, or you are welcome to email me at christina at lastmaskcenter.org. That is also the way in which um, you can send in a question. If you'd like, Christina at lastmaskcenter.org. Last Mask Center is also the site to find out about classes, um, healing, long-distance healing, all of that stuff um, is over there on that site. Okay, so today, 
the show today is about healing. It actually was inspired by some questions that have been sent in because I've been asking you all to send in questions or ideas you have for show topics. And so the show today is about how do we heal? It's about shamanism and disease, or in other words, how do shamanic people look at disease and illness? And given that, how do we heal or how do we facilitate healing? So how do we heal? So I have a basic belief. This is a Christinaism. I have no way to ever prove it or not prove it. But my basic belief from my life experience is that the body goes toward health and balance if you let it. And that is the trickiness about healing is the body will heal if you let it. The body, heart, mind, and spirit will all heal if you let it. But we are often standing in the way without knowing. And so that's really uh, the real issue we have to discuss today is how do we let it? We heal because that's what the body does if we allow it. We don't actually understand healing. We only understand ways to facilitate it. Um, And with that said, the body heals faster if we both allow it, if we get out of the way and allow it to do what it would do naturally and facilitate that healing. And so one of the things to explore today is really how do we facilitate healing from a shamanic perspective. So before we go any further, let's clarify some of these related ideas from a shamanic perspective. And um, for those of you that don't know, uh, a long time ago, over 12 years ago, I wrote um, an encyclopedia of shamanism. So a lot of what I'm speaking to today has to do with the understanding of ancient peoples. So the pre-contact shamans and how they understood healing um, and illness and disease and how they responded to that. Um, but also my experience as a contemporary practitioner and my experience um, speaking with colleagues who are also contemporary practitioners and how does our contemporary awareness inform the ancient shamanic understanding of things. And so I just want to share a quick little story. Um, Oh, well, sorry. The point in that is that shamans and how they view healing and disease, um, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense and it doesn't actually help us very much if we don't understand the larger context context that a shaman would be functioning in. Um, there's a, a strong movement in contemporary shamanism to just learn the healing forms and practice them without any larger context of understanding, trusting that the helping spirits will tell us what we need to know. And I think in a larger understanding of healing, that's not enough. Um, so the story that I was going to share is when I was in Africa with um, Maladoma Somme and a large group of people, um, there was a friend of mine there who had, I can't quite remember, I think he'd had knee surgery prior to going on this trip and that he was asking the shamans for healing um, along the way on the trip. And he was getting frustrated because for this healing for his knee, the shamans were sending him all over Africa finding chameleons and this and that and the other thing for these um, uh, amazing healings that they were doing. And he was getting tired. He was on crutches and trying to get driven around Africa and walking around Africa, and, and he was exhausted. And he had yet another divination with yet another shamanic healer and yet another list of things to go find. And he just kind of threw his hands up in the air and he said, no. Don't you have some other way to heal this? And the shaman said, no, this is our medicine. 
you know, this is the way that we do this. This is the way that we see things, in other words, and that we are all, in all of our different perspectives, strengthened and limited by how we see the problem, how we see the situation. Now, my friend with his knee could have gone to an acupuncturist or, you know, an ancient Chinese medicine practitioner and gotten a whole nother set of diagnosis and remedies. I think everybody's diagnosis was relatively the same, but the remedies were different. And so what I want to try to share today in, in a relevant way is more of a sense of shamanism as a, as a global phenomenon and the, the, the general perspective that is shared by shamanic healers versus looking at it culturally in that because within a particular shamanic culture, there, there are limitations. Um, just as my friend experienced, it's like, no, this is the only thing we have to offer. You've got to go run around and find a bunch of exotic things for this remedy and it already done it twice. So anyway, that's, that's my, um, reason that I believe that spirits uh, in in creating the show has said, you know, speak about shamanic healing from the largest shamanic context and then also from the contemporary perspective as a contemporary practitioner. So here we go and do my best to do that today. So first, let me clarify a couple things in general about shamanism as a global phenomenon, as a, as humanity's gift. Okay, so the first off, shamanism is the original holistic medicine. You can't talk about health from a shamanic perspective in a purely physical way. That doesn't make any sense to someone who sees the world shamanically. That the physical world and the spirit world and then out and then within that for a human, your emotional world and your mental world, these are all intertwined and mixed together. And so health from a shamanic perspective would equal, at least in the English language, something more equivalent to well-being, total well-being. So total well-being has, is the cornerstone of that or the center, the core of that is me living my soul's purpose, that I'm aligned in my whole life as I was intended. As I came into this world, I'm aligned with that intention in the first place. And then from that, I am living in some kind of dynamic balance and harmony physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually with the reason that I am here. And in doing so, I am in good relationship with my human neighbors, with my um, plant and animal physical environment, with the spirit world, and with my ancestors. And that I am in a constant working daily relationship with my particular helping spirits which is a way that i am in daily dialogue with my own spirit and that that there is um a whole energetic life that i'm having and cultivating and maintaining while i'm living my physical life while i'm doing my work and there's not a sense of um or i should say there is a sense in shamanism of a strong need to do your work that is um it's an aspect where we're sort of like dogs. You know, dogs need to know their job in the pack or they're very unhappy. Humans need to know that they're useful. Uh, and there's a whole host of emotional and spiritual and psychological and then ultimately physical illnesses that arise simply from a person not knowing why they're here or feeling remotely useful. That human beings need to do their work. Even if their work, their true reason that they're here, is not particularly lucrative. That doesn't really matter. The point is human beings need to do 
their work. And that is really at the core of this whole shamanic idea of well-being and health. And we have to understand that if we're going to talk about how shamanic people understand illness and disease. So within that, then, we need to understand that just as, as I believe, what I've witnessed in my life is the body will go to health if you let it, um, shamanic people would also say that the heart will go to health if you let it. The mind will go to health if you let it, and the spirit goes to health if you let it. The spirit tends to be healthy. It's just you need to be in relationship with it. Nonetheless, the point is all of these energies in their natural state are in a kind of dynamic balance and harmony with everything else. The, the, the wonder and awe and great experience of being human is that we have the capacity to use our free will to be contrary, to be other than in balance and harmony with all things or even in balance and harmony with ourselves. And that's the great adventure of being a human. And so that happens. But the point of understanding uh, illness and why we why we develop disease, why does the body develop physical disease or mental disease or is there any real difference? How does that happen? That, that has to, if you're going to understand it shamanically, we have to understand that all of these aspects of the self are intertwined and they will all go towards health, which is their natural state, if we can get out of the way. Uh, so the question once again is how do we help these energies that are so entirely intertwined to move towards health? Um, because we are able to stop our healing in any dimension of our well-being or we can facilitate it in, in any dimension of our well-being at any time. We can also be working very hard at it, in, let's say physically, and then um, not addressing things emotionally or psychologically and be in a state of profound physical health to be fit physically and deeply unhealthy shamanically. And this is actually um, fairly prevalent in, in America, I interestingly, in, in sort of a way of balancing out the epidemic of obesity in America, we have this other epidemic of people who are equally unwell from a shamanic perspective, but they are physically very fit. Um, so I hope you can kind of understand that that way from a shamanic uh, perspective, uh, there is the capacity to be physically healthy, but not emotionally healthy, not psychologically healthy and not spiritually healthy. Um, and that all of these things need to be happening to be considered healthy, not diseased from a shamanic perspective. So in other words, you know that friend of yours that is seems basically to have their life together except for the fact that they're constantly having accidents, mishaps, losing their keys, um, their car gets broken into um, – the, the sink plugs up, you know, like every time you talk to them, there's something, all of it's minor, but it's a constant distraction for the person to keep having to, re, you know, repair and deal with all of these things. And it distracts them from their life's purpose. It distracts them from themselves. That's a shamanic illness. It's an issue of power loss. It's an issue of um, a loss of your relationship with your helping spirits usually. And so my point is from a shamanic perspective, there is disease and illness that is not manifest physically in our body as well as the disease and illness that is manifest physically in our body. Okay, so you can be fit from a shamanic perspective but not healthy. The other thing is you can be healthy in a certain sense 
um, but not experience well-being. So like the simple way to say this would be my best day in my 20s would be a bad day for me now in my 50s. Because of who I am now and because of my development and growth, and I think many of you could say that, what was a really great day back when you were a teenager would probably still be considered a somewhat mentally ill day for you now as an adult because hopefully we're growing and changing. And what was the best that we could muster in terms of well-being at a time when we were innocent and ignorant and uninformed hopefully is not still our pinnacle of well-being as an adult. Now, granted, I grew up in a small town, a very small town in Oregon. And for many people in that small town, you know, prom night was the pinnacle of their life and that everything was the best when they were 18 under the, you know, mirror ball at the dance and everything's been downhill since then. Uh, personally, that wasn't good enough for me. And so for me, I have continued in my life to want to grow and change because I really don't believe I had it all figured out at 18. At 18, I did think I had it all figured out like every other 18-year-old in the world. But I didn't. <laughs> Life showed me that. Um, and so my point is that we can be healthy. We can be enjoying a certain state of health but not necessarily really be experiencing well-being. So an example would be in my, in my young years, in my college and early 20s, um, I actually happened to have a health, a particular health test at the company that I worked for at that time. And it was a very interesting test because it took everything. It was trying to gauge someone's well-being. And what this test uh, spit out at the end of all the different tests and, and everything was the age your body thought it was. And it was really fascinating because there were people that were in their 30s. Their body thought it was 57 because they were like heavy smokers and drinkers or whatever. Um, it, it was a fascinating test. So here I was in my 20s and my body thought it was 14. So in other words, from a physical standpoint and, and, and the way that they could measure this well-being, I was pretty healthy at that time. And at the same time, I was between 10 and 15 pounds overweight. I was depressed. And in college, at least, I was pre-med. So I was stressed, sort of by definition. Now, if I had gone to a good holistic practitioner at that time, they would have said that my depression and my stress together were shutting down my gut. So I wasn't digesting my food very well. And that was leading to weight gain. And all of that was reinforcing my depression. And maybe I would want to try this antidepressant. <laughs> I mean, that that would have actually been a fairly good holistic sense of things. Now, I didn't go see anybody at the time because I was, you know, 20-something and didn't. Um, but the thing about it is years later, for entirely different reasons, I changed my diet. I started adding fish and fowl at every meal and balancing my meals um, between proteins and carbohydrates and fats. And my depression cleared 100%. The weight slipped off. The extra weight I was carrying slipped off without me changing anything other than my diet. And my thinking cleared up, which was a complete bonus because my brain had been working that way my entire life. And now all of a sudden, I could think clearly all day long. So the state of my health, my physical, mental, and spiritual well-being measurably changed because I changed my diet. And so my point is I was standing in my own way. I was keeping my mind, my body, and my spirit from moving towards health by the choices I was making day, day by day about food. 
And so my well-being then was greatly enhanced by making this changing my mind about food and getting out of the way then of allowing those things to move towards health. And so now there's a, a moral of that story that's important to remember from a contemporary perspective. I don't know how conscious traditional indigenous pre-contact shamans were of this, but one of the things we need to really understand today, chemistry matters. Chemistry is everything, actually, when it comes to life as we understand it. Chemistry matters. And so one thing I would say, particularly around the creation of disease and illness in our lives, and this is not necessarily a shamanic concept directly, but I'm a contemporary shamanic practitioner. You don't have to take the whole life into account. Chemistry matters. Eat for chemistry. Don't eat for your emotions. Don't eat for politics. Don't eat for spiritual beliefs. Eat for chemistry. And you will profoundly change your state of well-being, unless you're already eating for chemistry. But the point is, if you eat for the chemistry of your body to support the vehicle that supports your spirit in the world, you're, you're making a choice, which I believe is a shamanic choice, to get out of the way and to allow health to happen because that is essentially the deep understanding in shamanic healing is what, how do we need to move the energy around here so this being that is both physical and spiritual, mental and emotional, can move towards their natural state of health and well-being. Okay. So more important than the chemistry matters in that whole story and what I've been trying to work up to here is this idea I have about closing the gap and what the gap is in its essence the gap is the difference between who you think you are your current state of consciousness and the life that you're living and there's always a gap a gap doesn't make you a bad person or an unconscious person there is always a gap most of us live with an enormous gap most contemporary americans live with an enormous gap between the, the, oh, their, the sum total of their information, their consciousness, and their awareness, and the actual choices that they make and the life that they end up living, that there's a big gap. And that the essence of the message here today is that illness and disease live in the gap. The gap between where you are conscious and present in your life and the place from which you're actually making your choices, which is both conscious and unconscious. Right? The gap that gets created in your life where nobody's living, the gap is where disease settles in, even from a shamanic perspective. But the gap is not a clothing store. The gap that I'm talking about here today is a contemporary way of understanding this. And it still dovetails with shamanism and understanding how shamanic healing can be part of your own healing process. But the understanding the gap is really important because only you can close the gap. And the beauty of the gap is that when the gap becomes very, very narrow, that you, if, and if you have a strong working relationship with spirit, that spirit energy can effectively close the gap for the day. But when you have a gigormous gap, it takes a, an even more gigormous relationship with spirit to close that gap. And if you had that gigormous relationship with spirit, you wouldn't have such a big gap. So... <laughs> So by definition, if you have an enormous gap, you don't have an enormous relationship with spirit. It just doesn't work that way. So the point is you don't have enough of a relationship with spirit to close that gap. I don't care how much you're praying, who you think God is, or any of those other 
things that are affect essentially become superficial because they're nowhere near collectively big enough to close the gap. And it takes an understanding of how to tend your physical body and how to tend your energy body together and get them to work together and then understand how your emotional body comes to play and your spirit and cultivating a relationship with spirit and all of these things work together to help you to close your gap to develop a relationship with spirit that can eventually effectively close what remains of the gap because i think as long as we're alive unless we're truly masterful and i mean that literally as in the title you have achieved in your life is to truly be a master i don't mean you went to three weekends in reiki and now you're a reiki master I mean a true mastery, not to dump on Reiki, but my point is a true master in life perhaps doesn't need spirit's help to close the gap. But the rest of us, you and me, we need some help. Okay. So the gap then is the difference between your current consciousness, what you believe you believe, and the sum total of your actual consciousness. So using this little story I shared about my past when I was in my 20s is that there was a gap between my conscious awareness and the manifestation of that in my body. So I thought I was eating healthy. I thought I was doing all the right things, but there was a different manifestation in my body. And my body expressed depression, excess weight, tired, foggy thinking in spite of the quality of the life I was living, which was I thought a healthy vegetarian diet, um, swimming every day, walking, um, having a spiritual life. My heart actually was pretty good at the time. But the, but by eating the way I was eating, I wasn't allowing my body, my mind, and my spirit to rise to that level of consciousness. So I was maintaining the gap by my relentless choices around food and not allowing that shift so that everything could could come into greater harmony. So by changing my diet, I closed the gap at that time. Not that I don't have other gaps, but I closed that gap at that time. And we know this because that one change changed everything. So um, now the gap, as I said, the gap really matters because illness and disease enter our lives through the gap. So the gap then is this place that we create that is in our energy field that is untended. And it's a place that we can't protect because we aren't there. And the gap is where we aren't living. Uh, we live in our mind and in our story about ourselves, And then we live in our actual consciousness, which includes all of the past that is unreconciled. All of the present alignment and incongruencies of the day. And all of our attachment to the future. Now, if we were just living in our present alignment and misalignment in the day, our gap wouldn't be so big. So in other words, the distinction between what I could imagine myself being and where I think I am in terms of my most conscious awareness and how I'm living, which is just alignment and misalignment, that gap wouldn't be so big. But the problem with our actual consciousness is it includes all that we are unconscious of, all of our unresolved shadow issues, all of our lost soul parts, every little moment um, throughout our entire life that wasn't quite reconciled that we still carry waiting to be reconciled where some little sliver of ourself is still stuck back in that time as well as all of our attachments about the future. So where we are stuck in the past and the future is also part of our actual consciousness. And therein lies the gap creator. Okay. Now the body has to hold it all. 
And this means that the body has to be in two or three places at once. So the cur- that current consciousness that inc- includes all the unresolved issues of the past and all of the attachments to the future, all of that, all, all of the rest, all of that has to be held in the body. So the body is in many, many more than one, places, one place at a time. And the body isn't designed to be in two places at once. The body is designed to be in the moment. Even if the moment is utterly and completely horrific and imperfect, the body is designed to be in the moment. And so by having this consciousness that has to expand out over this past and this future and a whole bunch of other things in between like shadow selves and disowned selves and all of that, the body then has to be in many, many places at once. That's the gap. That's where disease finds fertile soil. That's why we experience illness. Maybe not physical disease, but mental, spiritual, emotional illness because of that gap that gets created between our conscious in the moment life and all the other places we have to be to hold on to the whole life that is not yet reconciled. And that is the essence of shamanic um, understanding of disease and illness and well-being. So, So let's talk a little bit about the traditional shamanic explanation of illness, and then we'll jump back around to how this connects in with the um, gap. So if you read books about shamanism, they will say either that this shamanic people that you're reading about believe that ultimately the root of all illness or disease is soul loss. And then there's about as many other shamanic people where if you're reading about them, the book will say accurately, ultimately, these people believe the root of all illness and disease was ultimately spirit intrusions, some kind of energy intrusion. Okay, how can they both be right? Well, the other thing about this is essentially energies don't usually succeed in intruding unless there's already been some kind of loss or soul loss to open the door, basically to open the window, to open some aspect of the body's energy through the soul loss to let the energy intrusions in. But either way, the point is if you're reading about shamanism, most of the writers are saying, you know, this is what the shamans tell us, that the root of disease or illness is either soul loss or spirit intrusion. And that's not untrue, but if you actually get in to the practice of shamans, indigenous shamans or contemporary shamans, that the true diagnostic trance state is looking for the weakness or the imbalance that caused the soul loss or that allowed the energy intrusion to happen. So yes, from a oversimplified sense, soul loss or spirit intrusion was the quote-unquote cause of the illness because that's what gets fixed. But ultimately, the shaman is looking at for the weakness of the imbalance that allowed it to happen in the first place. And that's where we're back to that whole sense then of well-being. Or another sense, we're back to looking at the gap. Where was the gap? Where was the place where there was a disconnect between the person's awareness and what's actually going on in their actual consciousness? Okay. So chronic disharmony is, uh, and chronic fear, these are things that from a shamanic perspective are, gonna, are, are evidence of the gap, although they wouldn't call it the gap. 
but they would just talk about how chronic disharmony or chronic fear, um, frankly, chronic stress, right, creates this fertile soil for soul loss or spirit intrusion, right? So a chronic disharmony, for example, from a shamanic perspective is when someone forgets their feeling of belonging or they forget their sense of connection to all things, or they have this experience through that forgetting that life loses its meaning. Okay, so that's the traditional shamanic explanation about chronic disharmony. Okay, most Americans, probably true for most Western thinking people, but most Americans don't actually know that they're connected in the first place because they've been told from birth they're separate from God. Right? So by definition, if you've been told from birth you're separate from God, you're going to have chronic disharmony because you are, you, it's not that you've lost your sense of connection. You never had it. Right? And, and actually the truth is children do have it and they get very confused when they get told they're you know, supposed to be separate from God because they know they're not. Anyway, I'm not going to get off on that tangent here today, but the point is shamans would – would talk about chronic disharmony as being the reason for or what creates the weakness that allows soul loss or spirit intrusion when the truth of the matter of a contemporary person is we are taught to live in chronic disharmony by the very basic belief system that we're being given. So we are given the information as we are raised in a typical American household that will breed chronic disharmony which breeds imbalance and weakness, which breeds soul loss and spirit intrusion, which sets us up for disease and illness. Same thing with fear. And chronic fear results in a loss of love and joy and trust without which the force of life itself seems to withdraw from the body. I actually see this a lot lately. I see people that simply were not given the information they needed as children how to maintain their physical body and their energy body and the relationship between the two. I certainly didn't get it in public school. Now, I went and found it at 22 because I was miserable. But people get to be 42 and still don't have it, and they're even more miserable. And that to, to live in a state of constant fear because you are unprotected, you do not have the information, or worse, you've been given information that you should feel safe, and sound if you simply follow these rules or something like that, some form of misinformation. So now you feel bad about yourself because your faith or whatever wasn't good enough. But the bottom line is you still feel unsafe. Why do you feel unsafe? Because you're not doing what you need to be doing to feel protected, right? Um, many of you might remember a show with Betsy Bergstrom where she talks about how her Native American grandmother taught her as a child who her body protector was. In other words, who's the helping spirit in your life? Who's there to help you protect your physical and energetic well-being? So again, disease and illness comes into our life because we live in chronic fear, because we're not given the information we need to not live in chronic fear. So these are areas of weakness in our well-being, and they recur as a result of bad habits accumulated by holding false attitudes holding, frankly, just bad information, bad meaning incorrect, ineffective, not helpful, and information that creates a dissonance when the um, accurate information begins to come in. And so these areas of weakness in our well-being also come uh, 
when we don't understand our place, we don't feel we belong, we don't understand our place in the world, we don't understand why we're here, and we ultimately don't understand our place in the universe. This is what the the gift in a shamanic cosmology is an understanding of the universe and our place in it and our oneness with all of those things. That is a huge part of establishing well-being, helping us to close the gap, and making us an inhospitable place for illness and disease. Okay, so a question came from a listener. And she said, can you explain how disease occurs in the human body according to a shamanic belief system? What is the trigger that initiates the disease on a cellular level? She says, I'm sure there are many answers to this question and that each patient has their own issues, true, which may be environmental, psychological, um, physiological, which are all true. But I'm curious to know if there are ancient shamanic practices that can shed light as to why the physical body becomes diseased. And this is a very interesting last sentence. It's a very interesting question, but a very interesting last sentence. I'm curious to know if there are ancient shamanic practices that can shed light on why the physical body becomes diseased. What's really interesting about ancient shamanic practices is that many of them are designed so that we don't become hospitable for disease. So it's not so much that they shed light on why, well, they do shed light on why we become diseased in the reverse because the practices of an ancient shamanic culture in terms of cultivating a person's relationship with their soul that begins as a child when someone asks you what did you dream last night and listens to your dreams because your dreams are a place where your soul is speaking and so so that's what i mean in the very very beginning these um practices are to cultivate a person's relationship with their own soul and then practices to cultivate a person's relationship with their helping spirits. And practices before a child is even in aware to make sure that the family's helping spirits are protecting the child. And then there are the practices about how community is forged and reforged and cleansed and developed over time with the guidance of spirit. And how the community is in relationship with the earth where they live, spirits of the land where they live, and how all of these energies are are in relationship with the ancestors and the descendants who are coming. That all of these practices that are part of the whole shamanic way of life and the whole shamanic cosmology, not just the healing forms. Because if you do all those other things, the healing forms are rarely needed. They're needed, but they're rarely needed because the well-being is being maintained through the shamanic practices. So in a sense, they are telling us where disease comes from. It comes from not maintaining your well-being, energetically, spiritually, and physically. So we need to understand as contemporary people that we do choose, with every soul loss, we do choose on some level to let that part go. With every energy intrusion, We do choose on some level to allow that energy in. Someone who is energy filled with their own spirit, with their helping spirits and protected through their own energetic awareness, through their helping spirits, does not need to give in to soul loss or energy intrusions. There's no need to do that. So to be energy filled means your own physical energy 
um, as well as a well-maintained energy body and a working relationship with spirit are all being maintained. So these are the ancient shamanic practices. And all of these things are maintained so that we do not become fertile soil for disease and illness, so that the gap is very narrow and spirit can fill it for us. So to be protected means that you are grounded and that the physical energy body and you maintain good boundaries energetically and in your language and in your interactions with others and that you ask for help from spirit. That's what being protected means. And that you, you actively close the gap. When the gap is small enough, spirit can help to finish the closing. Disease lives in the gap. And we all trigger disease by leaving a gap. The gift in the disease is that it exposes the gap. So the gift, back to the little story, the gift in the weight and the depression, and you realize the mental thinking was part of it, but the gift in those diseases, those illnesses, was that they exposed the gap. I just didn't know how to see it at the time. So healing or not comes in our life from how strongly or quickly or accurately we can move to close the gap. So my uh, partner worked with a man who had been diagnosed with, I don't know, like stage four uh, pancreatic cancer. I think it was pancreatic cancer, yeah. And everyone said, oh, hell, we can't do anything for you. You know, settle your affairs. So he did. He settled his entire affairs with life and thought, well, shit, I'm going to die. I'll go die in Hawaii. And in Hawaii, he was introduced to some other healing modalities, um, uh, which involved deep cleansing and herbs, etc. And the man was able to totally detoxify and um, heal the pancreas and lived. And it's very rare, frankly, to be able to live from stage four pancreatic cancer. So where did his disease come from? His disease came from this huge gap in his life because he was living so far from well-being in all ways. He was being the man he thought he should be, working a job he hated, you know, the whole story. And he just, he moved to close the gap. The disease exposed the huge gap in his life between who he was and what he really wanted and what had meaning for him. And he moved, literally, to what he loved, to what to an adventure, to something that seemed like, well, if I'm going to die, if I know I'm going to die tomorrow, what do I want to do today? So there he is in Hawaii getting colonics and herbs, right, and living because he closed the gap in his life. He became one with himself and brought himself into literal alignment with herbs, with teachings, with another energetic way of living. And in that way, closed the gap and expelled, essentially, the illness, the disease. So disease can also be triggered on a cellular level when we are out of good relationship with spirit. And this can be a slowly developing disease. For example, if we are told from the time of our birth that we are not one with God, that we are separate and we need to be religioned with God because we're fundamentally problematic, we are now in spiritual disharmony and that is going to create slowly developing diseases very small idea that we carry every day of our life it creates disease and illness or disease can develop wholesale I know people who knew better 
In other words, they are spiritual teachers, spiritual functionaries, um, people working, colleagues of mine who essentially knew better. But there are parts of their life, Spirit was saying, you need to go here and heal this or you need to go forward and write this book. You, you know, They're asking for help from Spirit. The answer to the help they're asking for is heal this, write that, do whatever. And they said no. And you can only keep asking for help for so long and refuse to take it before spirit just has to step back. Raise its hands. Go surrender. Okay, I surrender. I don't have an answer for you that you want. Those are the answers. You don't like it. Fine. Whatever. And these people are the kind of people that this is the story. I've seen this story again and again. Well, I don't know. I had a checkup, you know, four months ago and I was completely healthy. And now all of a sudden I have cancer metastasized in four systems, four body systems. You know, that's bad, right? So the point is we can trigger disease even when we are working with spirit by not allowing the answers in that relationship to infuse our life. We can trigger disease by not listening to our own spirit and what it's trying to tell us about life. We go on and on and on, whine and complain. You know, why can't I find the work that I want? Why can't I find my soul's purpose? Why can't I find the love that I want? Your spirit, your own personal spirit and spirit, your spirit help, are constantly trying to answer that question. But, it's, but we are constantly ignoring the answers because we don't like them because they're going to mean we have to change or we have to grow or we have to whatever. But the point is that does trigger illness, either slowly developing or wholesale, bam, kind of illness. But that way of living in disharmony with our own spirit or with spirit does create fertile ground for illness. Oh, and I forgot to say this in the very beginning. Let me say it now. Please, please understand that everything I'm saying right now is about illness that comes on through your life. What I am saying right now is not necessarily relevant for a child born with an illness. That is a different story. It's an entirely different story. So please do not... Um, apply what I'm saying right now, which is basically a message for adults and young adults who have made choices and are now living in the logical conclusion of those choices. Um, And it's a very different situation when someone hasn't lived long enough to hardly make any choices and they're born uh, with an illness. That's a different situation. It can be worked with shamanically, but it's a different situation. So please don't treat them as the same. But with that said... In every moment in time, we are living in the logical conclusion of our own belief system, conscious and unconscious. If we are ill, then that too is part of that logical conclusion of our belief system. Our illness or disease is not an error. We don't catch these things, right? They are part of the conclusion, the sum total of the beliefs that we are living right now. That illness lives in the gap is part of the conclusion of the belief system, right? And that the gap is created by the belief system. So to heal, we need to change at the level of the belief and close the gap. So this is an operating system change, not an installation of a new application or even an upgrade of an application. It's not even an upgrade of the operating system. It it requires an operating system change. So 
let's look again then at the last part of her question. I am curious to know if there are ancient shamanic practices that can shed light as to why the physical body becomes diseased. The ancient shamanic practices in their entirety, the wholeness of it, the cosmology and all of the practices, not just the healing forms, are based on understanding humans and how they transgress. We do. Free will. We do. We will transgress. So these ancient shamanic practices are based on understanding humans and how they transgress and what is needed personally and communally to maintain well-being. Ancient shamanic practices are based not on not allowing disease fertile ground. These practices are based on not creating a gap in the first place. And healing then is a process of restoring or maintaining balance in the body, mind, heart, and soul of the individual with the community, with the environment, with the ancestors, and the entire invisible world of spirit. And so healing then is about restoring well-being. So there's another question from a listener. I guess I can dive in here, but we are running out of time, which brings me uh, to a contemporary shamanic reason for illness and disease. So the unresolved energies of our ancestors are another trigger for physical illness, mental illness too actually so illness and disease so this listener's question is um actually what her statement is i um, my work involves looking for cancer cells in patient samples that we receive at the hospital laboratory i do this every day all day long i have been doing this work now for 17 years and i have noticed that patients who are diagnosed with cancer appear to be within a younger and younger age group it used to be that patients would be diagnosed in their 70s or 80s and that still happens today but there seems to be a greater occurrence of cancer in the 50-year-old age range. Why? One of the reasons for this, I think there are many reasons for this, and I actually just talked about them, but one of the reasons for this is the unresolved energy of the ancestors. And what I mean by this is people who have died over the last usually about 4,000 years who were not tended properly at death. And because of this, did not cross over into the land of the dead. They either didn't live in a way that their life ended reconciled with their affairs in order, without debts to other people, without debts to spirit, without debts in their life. There are many, many reasons people get stuck, especially today when people are simply terrified to die because they don't have the kind of spiritual life that lets them know what's going to happen. An ancient shamanic practice, an ancient indigenous person practice, shamanic or not, was to tell the child every night before they, the newborn child every night before they go to sleep the story of how to get to the land of the dead just in case that child died in the night because children die in the early years of their life it happens it has happened and the greatest gift a parent could give their child so they wouldn't be afraid of that journey which the child would have to take alone was a reminder of how to get there to know the path right so, for many reasons, which are in other radio shows, the ancestors don't clear out. The dead don't leave. Right? And these ancestors, these unresolved ancestors in your bloodline, are endeavoring to reconcile their life now that they are dead because they are stuck and they are unhappy being stuck. This, this happened occasionally in shamanic cultures, but it was not normal because shamanic practices around the funeral made sure that people crossed over. 
but there is an awareness how bad this situation could be in shamanic culture. So they took every effort to make sure it didn't happen. So the energy of the ancestors tends to hijack our lives, endeavoring to get itself resolved. But of course, a dead person isn't any smarter than they were when they were living. And so they influence us to live their unlived lives and to make their bad choices. And so this is very different than an ancestral helping spirit, which has crossed over, has connected back to the source and is a wise and compassionate um, teacher and guide and help in life and brings to you the legacy of a life lived well. The unresolved energies of the ancestors do not. Now, what happens when we are ignorant or in denial of something in our own life? It manifests through disease or illness in the body or in the mind in the heart, right? It it manifests. And so we have to pay attention to it. So imagine what happens then with ancestral issues, which we are not in denial or ignorance or, or, um, well, we are ignorant of them. We totally don't know about them at all. They're not even our mistakes. We don't even have that awareness historically. So of course these things are going to start to manifest through the body, through the illness of the mind, of the heart, of the, of the physical body, and particularly through the physical body because their energies are trying to get resolved through us. And that is another reason specifically that older age illnesses are showing up younger and younger, not just cancer, but rheumatoid arthritis, you know, these different brain things, lots of things because of the ancestors, the unresolved energies of the ancestors. So why do we need to care then about our own healing? Because we are each living in the logical conclusion of our belief system. And that belief system is infusing the fields of energy that we all live in. So if I choose to receive a soul retrieval and to integrate that and to change my operating system, change my fundamental beliefs based on that, my energy now contributes to making that change more possible for others. And am I no longer contributing to that old pattern of abandonment or unworthiness that I used to feel before I had my soul retrieval, right? If I ask for help with ancestral healing, And as a result of that, clear a pattern of denial of true life path that has resulted in multi-generational alcoholism in my family, then I close that gap in my life. And I no longer harbor that disease. Um, And I no longer contribute that energy to the field. In other words, we need to do our own healing, not only for ourselves, for our ancestors and for our descendants, but because what we do contributes to the energy that we all live in. And the more who are willing to close the gap and to make their lives inhospitable for disease, to make that not the habit of how we live, it changes the field. It makes it that much easier for the next person to make that change. And then that much easier on and on. So this is why. So your challenge for this week is to choose to close a gap. Or at least start that process. And it begins by identifying the gap between who you are and who you can imagine yourself being. And then we ask for spirit's help in how to close that gap. And if you need help with that, you know where to find me.
So thank you all for listening today. We give thanks to the ancestors for gathering around the earth below, the sky above, and the heart that unites us all. And next week we have a guest, Richard Whiteley, who's going to help us understand what the hell is going on out there in the world from a shamanic perspective. How do we understand it? And more importantly, how do we participate using our shamanic skills in changing so this next world is somewhat different than the one we live in today? Thank you all for listening.